ever look out into the vast sea of the universe? The universe. And challenge even your own imagination? Imagination? You don't think we're alone, do you? Do you? Do you? When you hear that the government is doing something, you always believe it, don't you? We are your third eye. This is Chasing Prophecy. Challenging your beliefs and pushing the boundaries of your imagination. If it's unexplained, we're talking about it. Whether you're a believer or a skeptic, we cover everything from political mayhem and tyranny to alien abductions and paranormal phenomena. You, you are not alone. Are not alone. This is the Chasing Prophecy Radio Program. And now your hosts, Jenny Nicasio. Hello, New Orleans on FM 107.7 and 105.3 Henderson Point, Mississippi, and everyone streaming around the world. I'm Jenny Nagasia, welcoming you to Chasing Prophecy Radio. Tonight's show is extra special. We're thrilled to have Timothy Renner with us. He's an expert in folklore and paranormal, and he's going to share some amazing stories with us tonight. But before we jump in, let's quickly talk about today's big news. Alex Jones is back on X, formerly at Twitter. And I'm really happy to say I am very excited about it. Thanks to Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk. I'm telling you, it's a big shift in the media world, and I'm so glad he's back here to talk. I can't stand it. I love it. I listened to him today. It was great. It was really neat hearing him back on X with Elon. And I have to say, it's going to be great. And um, we're going to talk about that too tonight. So if you want to chime in, don't, you know, don't be shy. I want to hear from you too. So um, if you've got questions for Timothy or something to say, drop us a message in the chat. Don't forget, your thoughts make our show even better. And I really mean that. And don't forget to share the link to our broadcast. The more people we have, the better it's going to be for everybody. So we're going to journey into the unknown tonight. So we're going to be fa- uh, exploring fascinating tales with Timothy from Rhodes, was it Toad's Roads, Mysteries to Ghost Stories, and Bigfoot Sightings. I just want to take a little pause right now to say something about last week's show we had um john friedman and his credibility has shifted a little bit since he was causing some issues for me i don't know if you remember me saying in the beginning of the show he caught me in my rollers well he's putting little rumors out there he caught me in purple panties so i'm gonna let you know i don't own a pair of purple panties (laughs) okay so i just want to get that off my chest so thank you all for being here in the chat. I'll say a formally uh, hello to you. But first of all, I just want to let you know, Timothy Renner is really a cool guy. Not only does he look cool, he is cool. And he's been on a lot of different podcasts, radio shows, coast to coast for one of them. So get cozy, grab a cup of coffee or maybe a bourbon. I don't care what you do. But join us for an exciting evening. And this is Chasing Prophecy Radio, where we step into the world of mystery adventure and as always this episode is sponsored by the united public talk radio and i want to welcome timothy uh so let me go ahead and bring you on without further ado i gotta pull you up before i forget hello sir i love the hair i love it thank you i want to do that but a lot of people have been telling me no especially my kids say mom don't do it you'll look like an old lady but you know guys can pull it off women i earned it you did. And I have to say, I love it. I love it. I, I love it. I love it. I would like to make an announcement. This is the first announcement I'm making this anywhere. Oh, good. I, for the whole world. I also do not own a pair of purple panties. <laughs> love, it, love it. Love it. Love it. I want to say a uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Kelly, how you doing? Yay. Alex Jones. I'm excited too. Tevi Freeman, Kelly Foster, Cindy Mitch, Debbie Freeman, Nic- Nicole, uh, John, I'm going to have to take you off there because you know what, Johnny, baby, you're not going to be welcome here. If we have any more issues like that, I will ban you from this talk and I will do it. You know, I will. I like to ban people, you know, 
Why not? Twitter got away with it for how many years with Alex Jones? But anyways, now let's jump. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Uh, don't go, don't be scared. Make sure you post and make sure you hit the link and share this. And I want to thank again, United Public Radio. Okay, let's go right into it with this question. We only have an hour and we're also on Tuesday. So I just wanted to just make sure you guys know that we're on Tuesday too. And we have big old Stan, Stan Gordon back in the house. Okay, Timothy. Welcome, Timothy. Um, can you tell us, tell me about your initial fascination with folklore and the paranormal? And what sparks your interest in these topics? Well, I'd like to say I grew up in the golden age of Bigfoot. I was born in 1970. The uh, Patterson-Gimlin film was filmed a few years before that. The uh, In Search Of was on TV when I was a kid. And, and movies like Legend of Boggy Creek. And it just fired me up for Bigfoot. I loved Bigfoot as a kid. He was yeah, on uh, what, $6 million man. He was on that. So, um, yeah, I just I just was fascinated with it. And though I didn't have any experiences with Bigfoot when I was young, I, I absolutely loved it. Interestingly, I, I did see a UFO when I was young, and I wasn't that into UFOs at that point. Later, that would come. Uh, I would become more interested in that. But for some reason, Bigfoot always fascinated me. And I was into things like ghost stories and stuff. If someone told me there was like a, you know, hey, there was a, a ghost down, you know, people were seeing a ghost down the road or on this particular road or in this particular old mill or something. I'd always bug my parents to, you know, take me there. Because um, once I found out that these things were real or people were saying they were real, at least I wanted to be a part of it. And that that's folklore. And I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. I just loved it. And I loved the idea that these were these were things that people were really experiencing. And, you know, as I grew older, I got into girls and punk rock and so forth in my teenage years and kind of went off in, in other directions. But I came back to it once, you know, I was a little bit older and had my own kids and got back on the Internet. And one day I looked up Bigfoot and realized, like, it hadn't stopped in the 1970s. There was plenty of it going on. Mm -hmm. And I be sort of became refascinated and uh, wrote some articles that got picked up for um, in the Weird Pennsylvania and Weird USA books. And then that uh, the series of events regarding those kind of led to me writing my own books and eventually starting a podcast and it's you know been full blown since then hell yeah um in your book beyond seventh gate you explore legends of toad road what what exactly is that in the seven gates so from hell for those who aren't familiar with it could you briefly describe to me what that is yeah i think because of those weird pennsylvania and weird usa books that's probably one of the bigger legends in pennsylvania has a real uh real hook to it you know the seven mm -hmm. gates of hell. Ooh, yeah know. seven gates of hell that's a good title yeah, yeah. <laughs> scary uh and unfortunately they they didn't let me write that article uh, i wrote a, another article in that book but they used my photos and they printed it next to a story that's complete bunk and i i had asked them when they were publishing the book i said hey please let me proofread whatever you're using for the the toad road article mm -hmm. there's a lot of nonsense out there and I was very disappointed to find out that they, they printed my photos next to this story that's complete bunk. And I decided right then, well, now I have to find the real story of this place. And I started digging in. So the legend that, that they printed in those books said that there was a, an insane asylum oh. back that road. And it burned down. And uh, in the fire, a number of the inmates escaped. And the people in the surrounding towns were scared. And they hunted them down in the woods and killed them. And, Something like that would make the newspaper. There's no record of that in the newspaper. When the, the legend was first published online, I immediately went to old maps. My father-in-law, um, he does genealogy and he has tons of old maps of the local area. And I started looking for anything that might be an insane asylum in that mm -hmm. area. There there just isn't. So uh, I confronted the people. This is before the book was published. I confronted the people who kind of were uh, publicizing that story. I said, man, nah, it couldn't have been that. And they changed their story immediately to, oh, no, no, there was a mad doctor who lived back there. And he, he was keeping patients in his house and his house burnt down. And basically the same story from there. And these seven gates were constructed to keep people away from the ruins. Well, uh, there was one gate in front of, there, there happened to be a, a doctor that did live at the end of this road. Um, he was not mad. I like to say he, he might have been angry, but he was not mad. He wasn't insane. Uh, people were coming on his property a lot, so I'm sure he was uh, quite upset. Mm -hmm. He had he did have a big gate at the end of his property. There weren't seven gates, or never were seven gates. When I started 
you know, confronting people about that, they would say things like, well, fallen trees count as gates on, on this road. <laughs> it's an old closed road. It was closed in uh, 72, I believe, after Hurricane Agnes kind of washed it out. The, the township just never opened it up again. Um, so I, then I, at, at that point, I said, well, how many of these, like there's fallen trees all along this, this place. Like, you know, you got to tell me which ones count as gates. And I've been, you know, I've walked it end to end. I don't know how many times at this point. It's it's not a super long walk, maybe between two and three miles, the entire stretch. And, uh, you know, I've never seen any gates other than the one gate at one end. Mm -hmm. And I've never, you know, gone to hell or experienced anything like that. That said, yeah. there is weird stuff that happens there. And that's, that's what I really wanted to talk about. And the people I'd like to talk to regarding their experiences are people that are in their 40s or older, people who would have been exposed to it before the internet legends. Mm -hmm. That tends to color people's uh, experiences, I think, a little bit. And you'll get people like, oh, I was out there and I passed the fifth gate. It's like, well, you have to show me where that is because there, there just simply aren't gates out there. That was a story that was made up. When I first moved to the area, I, I asked people, where's the weird stuff? And they did talk about these seven gates of hell. But they located them in two other places, one of two other places. Either there was a cemetery in New York City that they located them in, uh, Prospect mm -hmm. Hill. And there was a place called Hex Hollow in the southern part of the county that they located them in. So when these people started locating these seven gates with the Toad Road story, I was like, eh, I, I never heard that before. These were people who, who didn't live in this area, by the way. They lived in another part of the state. I had asked my wife, I said, what, you know, she went to day camp out by Toad Road. And I said, well, what, what did you hear about that? What did they say? And she said, the only thing they said, you know, this is 1980 or so. The only thing they said back then was don't look behind you on Toad Road. That's the only information I had. As don't look behind you. Don't look behind you. Okay. What happens when you look? Well, that's <laughs> all she had. So I had that and, and I started looking and I found see, a lot of what people were talking about sounded like cryptid experiences. It didn't sound like ghosts. Nobody mm -hmm. was reporting these because people were reporting screams from the woods. People were reporting being paced in the woods, uh, you know, red eyes following them, things like this. Mm -hmm. But not a lot of real like ghost reports. I did collect a couple, but none of them had much to do with, uh, you know, supposed insane asylum victims. There's never been, by the way, an insane asylum in this county. Um, they would have been no. Alms House in the old days and then the, the hospital from then from the, about the 1950s to modern time. So there just wasn't one here. In any case, uh, so I started looking at the folklore and I found this this thing in Pennsylvania they called the hide behind. And supposedly when the Europeans came here, the Native Americans warned them about this creature. Obviously, it would have had a Native American name. That's that's the I guess the anglicized version of it. Mm -hmm. And they said the thing with the hide behind is that only the bravest should be the last in line because only the bravest should could be relied upon to not look behind them as they were hiking through the woods if you look behind you might see the hide behind you get scared you'd freeze off the hide behind get you and you'd never be seen again so here i had finally don't look behind you the hide behind and it kind of came together this whole sort of legend what was going on there and uh, you know i did find other things i did find an actual Sounds like a Bigfoot attack. Um, a guy uh, ran into what he called a big hairy monster out there in <laughs> And a really interesting story. I ended up tracking the guy down. Uh, you know, it's a pretty long account. If you want to get into that, I can. But uh, yeah, I'm having an issue with my mic. I don't know why. It's I'm being distracted because I'm reading these comments. Like I look like uh, Michael Jackson, and you look like Gandalf. That's thanks. <laughs> I don't know. I think that might be a compliment. I sound like Michael. Hmm. I think I'd have to talk a little bit like this. Sorry. But um, strange compliments, I guess. Um, yeah, I like to, I know we like to talk about Bigfoot a lot. So, um, but I still am fascinated with the um, Seven Gates of Hell. Um, but, uh, well, I so mean, the way that legend was supposed to work in the other two locations when I originally heard it was there was a, you had to know a certain route, either through the cemetery mm -hmm. or through this area called Hex Hollow. It's like a it's, a, it's a park now in Southern York County called Spring Valley Park. And if you knew your way around the roads in this certain circuitous route, 
every loop you made would was supposedly would open a, a different gate. Now these are symbolic gates, you know, and mm -hmm. things would get spookier and scarier with each loop. And then, you know, after the supposedly no one came back from the seventh loop and, you know, the, once you get to the fifth and you start seeing things and, and so forth, there's, there's different versions of the legend, but that's how they were supposed to work. And that's how I originally heard the legend before uh, these sort of internet uh, legend trippers started, you know, making mm -hmm. up these, these uh, Toad Road stories for the mm -hmm. seven gate. What's one of your, um, you've gone on a, a lot of on-site explorations. Um, what's one of the most unforgettable experiences you've had investigating these paranormal sites? The, one of the most intense ones, there was an area called Pandemonium, and it's in Tuscarora State Forest. And my investigation partner, Chad, it's the first time, I think, the first time we camped together. We knew each other a bit, and we'd been hanging out a bit Um at this point, but this is the first time we went on an extended like camp thing together. And uh, the place is called Pandemonium. Nobody really knows why. Uh, Pandemonium in Greek means uh, home of all demons or place of all demons. So we thought, and there are ghost stories associated with this place. So we thought, well, let's go up there and, and we just wanted to, you know, check out these ghost legends. We were not expecting much to happen, if anything at all. So we, you can camp actually within the, the town limits. So we camped in the old town. Now a ghost town in on the East Coast is not like if you're thinking out west, like a you know the old buildings and stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't, buildings don't last here. It's, it's you have foundations at best. So there's basically piles of stone where old houses were. But we're you know we're camping among that, and uh, about 10 p.m. that night we heard a, a big bang. And the only thing I can describe what it sounded like is it sounded like uh, somebody taking a two by four and swinging it into a guardrail as hard as they could. It's this huge clang. That was odd because there's no one else around. We had walked around all day to make sure we were the, you know, we wanted to know who was around. And then we, uh, we went up to the cemetery, which is supposedly where the haunted stuff happens and came back and we were both tired around probably around midnight, which is early for me. I'm a, I'm a late night guy. Mm -hmm. We decided to, to uh, pack it in. So Cad, uh, my buddy, he's in a lean to, I'm in a regular sort of tent and uh, we, we crash out. And then about three 30 in the morning, I'm woken up by wood knocks. Sounds like somebody swinging a baseball bat into a tree as hard as they can. And these sounded about 50 yards away from me and, and i would thankfully i had a little recorder with me and I, I i woke up and hit record immediately and i captured these and if you look at the audio file you can actually hear or see rather the, the knock in one channel and then the reply in the other channel you can they're they're, they're two different things going on you got a knock and a reply knock and mm -hmm. they sound different too one is very crisp like a baseball bat and the other is like a thud almost like it had like a like a wet log or maybe something with with uh bark still on it or something and this is going on for a while and i'm sitting there listening to it and, and i can hear chad snoring in this lead to and i'm <laughs> i'm just like oh because i've heard so many of these stories where people have to go through this alone they can't wake other people up very strange aspect of this yeah and i thought oh i'm just this is going to be i'm going to have to deal with this alone and i'm listening to it for a little bit i don't know if it was a minute or more and finally i hear chad say did you hear that? And I said, Oh yeah, I, I've been hearing that buddy. So, uh, we got up and we proceeded to have something walk around our camp all night long. Um, we were hearing stuff. We saw red eyes shine. You didn't uh, see any kind of figure, just the red eyes. We just saw red eyes. Yeah. We could hear what sounded like bipedal footsteps and we, we could hear it walk up and we heard it walk up onto the gravel and uh, hit where the parking area was. And this kind of went on all night in the I don't morning. Know if I'd like seeing red eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's disconcerting because there's not many mm -hmm. things that have red, big things. No, red you know, I, I saw red eyes one time looking at when I was a kid, looking at my back, my front window, and I saw two red eyes and that totally freaked me out to this day. So I can mm -hmm. imagine. There's not many guys. big things. That's the thing. I was looking into it for my one book and bears can have red eye shine depending on their diet. Um, mm -hmm. not all of them do it, it really depends on their diet but 
not many other big things do. So when you see red yeah, eyes, you like pay attention. Little things can, like rats and stuff, can have, but not not big things. So uh, yeah, so that was that was disconcerting. Uh, we you know like lit a fire and just kind of hung out and listened to this this thing or things. It might have been more than one. Walk around us all night long. In the morning, we were looking and you could see a a wake through the uh, there's like ferns and, and high grass around this mm-hmm. campsite, and you could see where something big had like walked. So you could see the wake in the ferns, and that was pretty amazing. You could see it walk right up to the the gravel where we heard it and everything, and it was basically certain you could follow the circle around our camp. In other words, how many people were there? Just me and Chad. Just you and Chad saw this. So. The thing that really blew our minds, though, is at I had uh, my pack tied around a tree with paracord, and I, in the morning as we're breaking down camp, I'm I'm reaching around. I didn't go up around the back of the tree to look. I just reached around to untie it like this, reaching around the tree, and I pulled the paracord around. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. And with it came a spring that was Hmm. wound on. If you can imagine how you would have to twist a spring on was wound onto the paracord and luckily chad saw it too like he was standing right next to me and we both locked eyes and we're like what is that and we started looking around and you could see this this path again through the ferns no footprints because the the earth's just too rocky there but you could see this wake through the ferns of something that walked right up to our camp it would have been looking right in into chad's lean-to where it was standing what do you think it was do you think it was some kind of a cryptic if these were people, they were very brave because mm. you don't come into people's campsites without, you just, you just don't do that. We were armed. Yeah. It would not have been a good scene for us. No, to wake it wasn't if we were armed <laughs> in, in our camp. Uh, like I said, we, we had hiked all around just to make sure we were alone. There was nobody around there. And where uh, exactly not- was this again? For people joining us, we have Tim Renner coming. He's on the, uh, in the house tonight. If you have any questions or comments, please put them in the chat for us. Where did you say I... where was it yeah exactly it's a place Again. called pandemonium it's an old ghost town Pandem- in tuscarora state forest in pennsylvania so if anybody has ever been there if you've ever had an experience please put it in the chat it's usually promoted as like a like a ghost area people go there for ghosts a lot of ghost hunters and paranormal you know groups yeah. go there probably yeah yeah and that's what we were expecting we were expecting ghosts and we got something else and yeah I'm not gonna say it was bigfoot but it sort of acts like all these sort of like a skinwalker support. maybe like a cryptic you know uh we had screams that night and howls and stuff we had uh, mm. an owl that was about an octave lower you could hear the other owls this is all stuff i recorded you can hear the other owls they sound normal and then a, another owl that's got well about a half octave lower than than the other owls which is kind of weird um just full night full of very very weird stuff uh besides the, the you know thing walking around us and stuff so whatever was doing wood knocks had to have hands you, you had to hold yeah. something something and whatever twisted that spring on had to have hands was it a person you know i i don't think so not the way it was acting I but i can't say again we didn't see it uh so we don't know we only saw the the red eyes so we could say it looked like it looked like you know what people say bigfoot is it acted like the way people say bigfoot acts but i can't say for sure that's what it was um mark christopher wants to know is there any folklore related to this pandemonium where you were camping sure there's a ton of ghost stories with it there's a ghost story of uh supposedly an escaped a slave enslaved girl that was uh shot mistakenly and her ghost is supposed to be there 
there's several other ghost stories associated with it um, with the town um, and I believe there's some uh, you know what they call dogman sightings I'm not I'm not a fan of that name for that creature but in the area as well uh, mm-hmm. but not a there wasn't a ton of Bigfoot sightings although people have started to go there since we publicized it and other people have are having experiences there that sounds uh, like so- yeah, Bigfoot experience since we're on the topic of Bigfoot, did you see that latest um, viral video with the face that they the caught? One, like they could actually see that he was lifting. I mean, I can pull up the video. He I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's, you know he's, what I'm talking about? Black, black long hair and and uh, and it, he lifts a tree or something. Is that? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. So, did you? What do you think about that? Do you think there's any credibility to that? I mean, did, would you as an investigator i'm always suspicious of video now um just because of cgi and and ai and uh, and all this stuff i'm going to forever be suspicious of video i'm not a video expert but i kind of have this belief in my heart that we don't get to film this stuff audio is okay we are allowed to capture audio but film you don't think we're allowed to they're like putting some kind of like a taboo thing on it or you know they tried to film it and the wires got cut you know mysteriously okay it's, it's like the, the phenomena whatever this phenomena is it's the, and yeah. I, the other i call it because they all seem to be related all of this stuff seems to somehow be related it doesn't like to be filmed it doesn't like to be filmed um i don't like to be filmed without knowing <laughs> um um Kazan says what are you saying uh they don't like to say skinwalker sw why is that what do you think that is is that just I don't know. I, I, I know uh, a lot of people, you know, certainly associated with uh, First Nations beliefs and so forth. And um, I know they have certain taboos a- amongst them in the way they treat that whole uh, phenomena. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not an expert on that. So, you know, it's kind of. Yeah. Sure. So, well, getting back to Bigfoot. OK, so there's all these videos. There's, there's all these viral videos like on TikTok or like YouTube um instagram they have them um this guy if he wanted to be seen don't you think he would have let it like you said wouldn't he have shown himself before that i'm i'm saying like why would he and i'm always suspicious of the the clips that are you know 10 20 seconds it's like well where's the rest of it yeah where's the rest of it where's the where's the however much time before and however much time after and it seems like they get around it by saying, well, it was, a, it was a trail cam and they only film when things move. But I don't, I'm, yeah. I, I kind of stay away from the video stuff because it's, it's so inconclusive all the time. And, and I, I am not a video expert. I, you're not, not a, yeah, yeah, you're not, oh, I'm not either. Um, I know much more about audio than I do video. Oh, yeah, because you were a musician. We're going to get to that too. Um, but what are your thoughts on Bigfoot? Do you think he's a, um, an extraterrestrial do you think he's some kind of interdimensional being he teleports or whatever he goes through different portals what is what is your view on that so in the bigfoot community the the sort of uh woo thing is is used with a lot of derision and the flesh and blood people especially like to make fun of the woo people but uh, whatever's going on with this creature um it seems to me it's paranormal in as much as if it is a natural animal, it doesn't act like any other natural animal out there. We don't have explanations for how it maintains its diet, how it maintain, how it hides, uh, how it does so many things it does. It, it's the king of evolution, if it is a natural animal, which in itself might be paranormal. If it has that many evolutionary advantages, it's, it's way more than any other creature that's ever been documented. If the DNA reports are correct, and I'm not saying they are, but if they are correct, then it has novel DNA that's unlike anything else on the planet. Well, that alone makes it paranormal. It's not mm-hmm. like anything else. It's paranormal. It's outside of normal. So exactly. whatever they are, they're not normal. They're not normal animals. And I'll, I'll stick to that. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't say what they are. I don't know where they come from and where they go. Those are the two big questions. And I'd love to answer that. But I, I just at this point, I just I don't think they're natural creatures at all. And I no. believe all the witnesses that come to me. I know I believe they're seeing what they're seeing. I'm not saying they're lying. I absolutely believe in it. I believe these things are out there. I just don't think they're natural animals. No, I don't think they're natural either. Do you think of all these disappearances of these people and kids have anything to do with Bigfoot? Do you think he's, you know, maybe taking them? Do you think he's like 
a lot of people think, oh, he's not, he's not dangerous. But um, if he's not dangerous, why would he be taking people or, or is he killing them? I mean, is, or is he using them for food? That's my question. Like they say, he's not dangerous. He's, he's probably just out there just trying to live among us. There has been a number of reports of, and this goes back hundreds of years, of attacks from these things. It's, uh, it's rare. It's, it's much rarer than somebody just seeing one and it walking away. But the uh, these attacks are out there, and they've been out there for years. And there's many modern attacks. If you listen to like Sasquatch Chronicles and stuff, there's, if you had many cases of modern attacks of these things... So to say that they're peaceful creatures, well, no, no, I don't think they're killing machines. I think if they were, they'd be walking through the side of our houses, you know, like the Kool-Aid I man. Know. And getting well, us to, you but, hear these people that, that say that they've had close encounters that they're coming to them at night. And mm-hmm. I, unless it's some kind of a, I don't know, like a shaman. I don't think he, I, I can't picture Bigfoot like coming to you at night and just like meditating with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, maybe, but uh, I I can say this about the repeat encounters versus the the non-repeat encounters. The repeat encounters are the ones that convince me that this is something else more than anything else because, and I I like to say this, because I never blame a hunter if one walks by me while he's Mm -hmm. in the woods or someone driving down the road and they see one on the side of the road and they'll say, oh, no, no, it's a natural creature. That's all it is. To them, that's what it looked like. I don't blame them for that. But it's the people that have them coming onto their property continually. And these are my favorite cases. I love when I get them. I love when people call me and say they have these. Those are the people that say, look, this thing comes on my property. I've seen it multiple times. And then you start asking follow-up questions. And then they'll say, well, yeah, I also see weird lights in the woods. And my house has poltergeist activity. And this and this and this. And it's like a checklist of weird stuff. So this weird stuff goes along with these creatures. doesn't happen when you just see it once. But when they're around all the time, that's when this weird stuff comes up a lot with it. So, you know, that's, uh, there, Kaz- goes hand in hand with Bigfoot. He has a comment. I mean, some missing cases are unbelievable. Five-year-old kids traveling 10 miles in ragged terrain in 10 minutes. I know. And if you yeah. watched Missing 411 Hunted, or if you watched any of the Missing 411s, they're totally talking about that. I oh, mean, yeah. it's like, why would they, how could they go from one you know, point to another point in such a short distance or finding them unhurt, you know, or they find their shoes or they find, it's just, it's just, it's surreal. And I personally would never go to a um, national park by myself. And, you know, when I started listening to the missing 411, I don't think I want to go camping anymore. I mean, if you hear some of the stories, because when I was younger with my kids, we, we, camped outside in the yard and we saw some weird stuff i mean in you know there was no there was no developments behind us or in front of us or beside us and this is and we'd see these weird things that you know about about the um the campfire so i could imagine if you're you're at a national park where there's nobody you know nearby and the only thing that's near you are deer or bear or who knows what else? And he, you know, there's no one they're going to hear you, even if you screamed. That's yeah. kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, just my personal opinion on the on the missing four one one stuff. I think he casts a very wide net, and I don't think necessarily all of those cases are are like mysterious. I think some of them are explainable via like just serial killers or uh, oh, a God. lot of people like um, frostbite. You know, when they're suffering uh, hypothermia, they will actually tear their clothes off and stuff. So, but not all of them. Some of these cases are legitimately weird. Those ones, like like the the uh, commenter stated, where you know somebody's appearing ten miles away, you know, with, yeah. you know uh, some little kid on the top of a mountain, like, like you know, like a professional mountain climber would have trouble climbing, and here's a toddler. Yeah, toddler. these are yeah, very strange cases. Very strange cases. But very strange cases. I don't know what to attribute them to. You know, they're just until we know. Know. I don't want to say you know Bigfoot did. Them. You know, who, who knows Bigfoot what did it? Strange. Strange. <laughs> Exactly. So you're also a musician. And how does music influence your exploration of the paranormal? Do you find any intersections between the music and the supernatural research? Um, in as much as I'm a, I'm a, I, I do a lot of traditional folk songs. And that sort of 
keyed me into the way tradition works um, and, and is passed down. And we had a saying in, in sort of traditional folk singing that a bad song doesn't get to become traditional. Something I, I might argue with a couple songs, but most of the time, I believe this is true. And the reason why is, is I mean, there's they're great melodies and, and you know, they're, they're great stories. But there's also an essential truth being pushed down, uh, passed down rather, with most of these things. And I think it's the same with folklore. Mm-hmm. And that if there's no value to the story, it's it's going to go away. It's like, who cares? So a lot of this, these old folk tales, these, these about fairies and about you know monsters and stuff from our past, these are our ancestors telling us how they dealt with these same things that we're talking about today. You know, they wouldn't have called it Bigfoot; they would have called it something else. Uh, yeah. They would have called most of these things. They would have called fairies of some sort. If it was Dogmans weird, and yeah, exactly. But it they taught us how they dealt with it, and I don't want to call them rules because there, there's no hard and fast rules of this stuff. But they sort of laid out these ways of dealing with this stuff. And it holds true today. Uh, a lot of what they were saying, there's a lot of wisdom passed down. So that sort of idea of, of the value of tradition uh, sort of translated to me. And a lot of times you'll hear people talk about folklore as if it's uh, fiction, you know, and they'll be very dismissive. Again, a lot of this in the big, oh, that's just folklore. That's just folklore. Well, just folklore hold on a minute yeah like, no, this is our relatives passing down information to us mm-hmm. sometimes it gets exaggerated that happens exactly. it's like we're going down the lane you know a, a 10-foot creature becomes a 50-foot creature or something you know over time they become super giants you know versus super just, giants yeah it's just just big big things but um, so, you know w- the way to deal with this stuff is in there when you're talking about super giants i don't know if you saw that um a viral video about the the big doorway. Oh, we yeah. did a show on it, big doorway in the in Oregon. Yeah. Do you think that's anything, you know, paranormal? I, I don't know. It looks really interesting. You know, I I want to see it. Like I my, know. my thing, like like let me get out there and see it, and uh, I'll make the call. But it it didn't look super easy to access either. No, really? they had to climb up there. You, we had a the guest on, um, and he was telling us that you could you could go up to it and there was like a it sort of looked like a little you know how they the little window like you could mm-hmm. actually but he didn't get close enough and i told him to go back up there and come back on the show and tell us what you see because that there's some stories about like nephilians and in these giants that the watchers and all this yeah, stuff yeah. are still lurking around there's one of the guys said he went up to that and he saw like eyes yeah like, yeah that was like whoa yeah i mean now was that Bigfoot? They said it was more. They don't think it was a giant. They think it was more like a like the height of a Bigfoot would be. So wow. maybe that's where he hangs out at. Maybe I don't know. These these things are definitely associated with caves for sure. Mm-hmm. Any kind of uh, underground cave system and so forth. Uh, you get a lot of reports around this. And there's so many across the United States that mm-hmm. they don't even. There's like tons of them. Mm-hmm. Getting back to your book, don't look behind you. Okay. Now we talked about don't you know what was behind them. Oh, what you're saying is dive deep, dive deeper into that. Um, can you tell us if there was anything that stands out in the, the occurrences that you had, any sightings? Um, what's one story from the book particularly intriguing that you would like to talk about? Well, look, we the already attack about was what's huge. Um, the, the guy I found a newspaper clip, and it, it was a very short clip from, like I said, 1974, and it just said. Uh, it said this fellow's name, which I'm not going to give out because he doesn't want to be contacted, but it said okay. was attacked by a green-haired monster. A green-haired sent, monster. And was sent to the hospital. Now, what is this, right? I look for this guy for months on the internet. No internet footprint at all for this guy. Finally, I opened a good old-fashioned white pages phone book, and I found a guy by that name. Wasn't sure it was the same guy. Still in the area. I wrote oh. him and included my phone number, said, I would like to talk to you about this incident from the paper. I think I made a, made a photocopied the, the article from the paper and included it with the letter. And I mailed it off to him. And about two weeks later, my phone rings and it's him. And he said, I would, I would never expected anybody to talk to me about this again. And I said, well, you know, I'm very interested. I want to figure out what happened. He said, well, first of all, the newspaper was wrong. He said, I wasn't sent to the hospital. He said he was sent to the hospital with scratches on his face or something like that. 
said I was sent to the hospital with a head injury and I was there for a week. And I asked him like to tell me what happened. And, and this occurred over the course of several phone calls. I don't know, probably more than six and less than a dozen. So, so a number of phone calls. And he would talk about this for a little bit and then he would change the subject. He was constantly changing the subject. So I got the story piecemeal from him. And I found out why. And the last time I ever talked to him, I called him and I'm trying to get a, a firm timeline of these things. And he stopped me and he said, you know, Tim, my girlfriend hates when you call me. And I said, oh, well, why is that? And he said, because I wake up screaming <laughs> for two weeks after you call me because you make me think about this. Oh, and, he, man. and so he seems to, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but he seems to have had some form of PTSD as regards this event that happened. In any case, he was a teenager. He drove out there, just had nothing to do one night. People did go there for spooky things. He went there to be you know, like, I'm just going to go out to this spooky place. Mm-hmm. Well, while he's out there, his car stalled. And he was there for a long time. He said something kept coming up and brushing against his car and he couldn't see it, whatever it was. This is before cell phones. It's getting mm-hmm. later and later in the morning. It's late. You know, he's there till 4 a.m. And he said, I just had to make a decision. Am I going to stay here all night or am I going to do something? And he was so scared. This thing was, like I said, was kept brushing up against his car. He said he got out and just took off at a full run through the dark. And he was, he was running and he ran into, and in his words, he said, I ran into a big, hairy monster. He never used the word oh. Bigfoot. And he said, it beat me down. I ran into it and it beat me down. And I said, well, what do you think it was? Do you think it could have been Bigfoot? And there was this long pause. You could tell he was very disturbed. And he said, I never thought about that. I guess it could have been that. I guess it could have been that. He was really upset. Oh, wow. He asked about the green hair. He said he'd never, he didn't remember it being green. He didn't remember saying that. So I have often wondered if there that was put in there by the police to make the story seem a little more ridiculous, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can see the police doing that. Yeah. Just throw oh, yeah, he saw a green haired. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Throw, throw police or, off, or throw people off the, the trail a little bit, make it seem mm-hmm. a little more ridiculous, but I don't know. I, by the way, I've tried to get this police report. Um, FOIA requests only apply to the federal government. So I've, re- oh, I've, wow. I've tried to get it from the, the local police and they just won't give it to me nothing i can do about it they refuse to give me the report so i don't know if that's a conspiracy or if it's just maybe it's in storage and they don't feel like getting it for me you know i don't know could be yeah so uh uh, in any case um you know this is a very interesting thing uh he went to the hospital for a week like said head injury the police recovered his car they found the back door was open oh uh, and it started right up for them no problem. Uh, of course, started it started rape. right up. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, Boots said, I heard Bigfoot lives underground and these doors are their entryways to the surface. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah. I, Maybe. Like I said, they certainly appear in places where there are cave systems, for sure. I'm not sure what this comment is. Do you know anything about that test? Rorschach test is where they, the ink block test. So basically, I, I think, hey, Maynard, I know Maynard. Uh, what, what I think what Maynard's saying there is like missing 411 is like however you look at it. If you want to see it as aliens doing it, you'll oh, see it okay. as aliens doing it. If you want to see it as Bigfoot doing it, you'll see that Bigfoot is doing it. So I can see that. Um, if you're just joining us, we have Tim, Tim Renner here. He's talking paranormal. He's a um, musician, paranormal podcast of, how do you say the familiar? Strange familiar. Strange familiar. And if there's any comments or questions, please post them in the chat. Cool. Okay. Any questions? Okie dokie. Um, so your Bigfoot sightings to ghost stories. That's supposed to, when your podcast, is that what you mostly talk about or anything that's, I'll, you know, unusual? Yeah, to mostly witnesses. I like to talk to the people that have seen and experienced this stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll have authors on occasionally, paranormal investigators occasionally. But, um, yeah, it's, it's mostly witnesses and it's all kinds of stuff. UFOs, Bigfoot, well, you know, alien abduction stuff, ghosts, you name it. Mark Christopher says, have you ever interviewed people who have said they've seen shadow people? Lots, and lots, lots and lots. I think that's a that's a pretty common one. And What are and your thoughts on the shadow people? I, I feel 
to me, like it's tied in with a lot of this um, sleep paralysis stuff, what I call these nighttime invaders that uh, I do not believe are dreams, by the way. I think w there's multiple things happening there as well. But uh, yeah, um, I think they're somehow related to that, although plenty of people see them in waking life, so they're, they're not specifically that. Uh, they could be We've been good. seeing a lot of those shadow people. I'm sorry? I've been seeing a lot of those shadow people during the day, which is uh, yeah. unusual. In your house or elsewhere? In my house, outside, coming around the corner. So what do you think those are? <laughs> could be ghosts, could be something else. I think there's a, a lot time of Time travelers. Think, people think they're time travelers. Maybe. Yeah, it could be like a time slip thing. A lot of people um, surprisingly have a a generally like good experience with them. Like not a lot of people. Now, some people oh. say they're, they're bad. They're, they're no good. But a lot of people happens. are like, oh, no, no, they're fine. They're, you know, they don't bother me. Some people even say they're beneficial. So, oh, maybe. I don't. If anybody in the chat had a good experience with a shadow person, I've never had a good experience with a shadow person. Now, when you're, seeing, when you're seeing them, a lot of a lot of the guests on the show have described them as looking blacker than black. In other words, they're yeah, like so, they call them the hat. What do they call the hat people with the hat? Yeah, sort of like my hat or. Is that? But is that what you're you're seeing? Like that blacker than black? No, thing? I'm just seeing a shadow. Like it goes by really yeah. quick. It doesn't. I, it's not, like it's like you don't. I don't see any figure when I. But at night, when I was a kid, teenager, I would have like the the sleep paralysis and the night terrors, mm -hmm. and I would see something look like a gray standing at the foot of my bed, looking at me, and mm -hmm. they would taunt me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that because it's horrifying. I've, yeah, I do not. I have, and I do not like them. No. So, what is your view on those guys? The ones um, that stand at your bed and terrorize you? It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's very, very strange, and I, and I have a lot of questions about them because uh, I have found over time that I can end. Uh, and when I say abduction, I'm using that as a shorthand term. Uh -huh. I don't think I ever left my bed. I don't think I was ever taken aboard a flying saucer. Whatever happened, happened to me in my bed. I think these are maybe out-of-body experiences. And the scary thing is, it seems like they can pull you out of body. Yes. Yes. Um, so I've uh, over time, I've come to realize I can end this by saying the Hail Mary. Now I'm Catholic. <laughs> Yeah, but they I mean, say that too. Or I Jesus. Can, I can end it immediately. I will mm -hmm. wake up saying the Hail Mary from, from these experiences. Wake up and um uh, and again I'm not I they're different than dreams. I don't know how to explain it. If to people who haven't had these experiences, they think, oh, it's just a dream. I mm -hmm. I can tell you, and other people that can have had them can also tell you they're different than dreams. They're they're almost more real than, than real life. They're they're, they're not dreams. You're to me, you're awake. You mm -hmm. know exactly what's happening. You just can't say anything. Mm -hmm. And I never thought, so when you say the Hail Mary, do you actually say it in your head? I do guess that's you... where it starts, but I, I will wake up like saying it out loud. It's oh, so wow. weird. It ends it that quickly. Uh, so, wow. so, or sometimes I don't wake that. up. Sometimes the experience just, I'm like, when I say wake up, it's not like I'm shaking myself awake. I'm mm -hmm. sitting up in bed saying it, you know? So, that gives me pause as to why does that work, you know, with these things. If unless if they're, they're some kind of demonic force or some kind of evil, yeah, evil I hesitate to say that, but it it's they they do respect belief, I think, because I've heard that other people of different religions have mm -hmm. equal success, right, with their religion mm -hmm. uh, by by praying or by using symbols of their religion. So it seems like they maybe they respect belief or maybe belief is tied up in all this or maybe they're not allowed they're outside of that they're not allowed to confirm anyone's belief or disbelief i don't know i don't know why it works but it does make me think it's kind of yucky you know that they're doing these stuff they're doing it against our will i didn't give them permission to do this yeah and and it and that works that makes me go oh that's weird you know uh but i i don't know what they are i don't like them i can tell you that or Christopher says it too. He wakes up saying the Hail Mary. Yeah. I say prayer always seems to work. So you've collected and examined, like you said, old old newspaper reports on Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Sightings in Pennsylvania. What's the most surprising discovery that you've made in these past, in, the, in these historical accounts? Oh, there's, there's so many good ones. Um, overall, 
so science, mainstream science doesn't like witness testimony, right? Witnesses are unreliable. But as far as Bigfoot, we don't have much more than witness testimony. We have some really good footprints, cast of footprints, really amazing stuff. We got some hair samples. Most of them are inconclusive. Some of them will come back with something like unknown primate or something like that, but nothing that says like, this is a Bigfoot, you know, it's, <laughs> and usually you can get experts to line up on both sides. This is real. This is not real, you know. Uh, and with footprints, I'd like to point out how they hunted ghosts in the 1950s. They throw powder out on the floor and wait for footprints to appear in the yeah. powder. So, you know, just the fact that we have footprints of something doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a big natural creature. But uh, that said, this consistency of witness reports over hundreds of years uh, in regards to the behavior of these things. So they're talking about the way they, they attack or don't like dogs, uh, the way they knock on windows and stare in windows, uh, the way they seem to recognize what firearms are these are consistent throughout these reports for hundreds of years so to me it's like okay maybe one eyewitness report isn't reliable but when you have this hundreds of years of eyewitness reports and they're all reporting the same things sometimes the, the now the, the look of the creatures is interesting because there seems to be a great variety of looks uh from you know caveman like things to giant chimpanzees to the patty looking thing but uh there's descriptions of all these, all these different mm -hmm. like, types of creatures. That's consistent. So that's very, very interesting to me. The fact that we have this this consistent uh, reports of their behavior, the way they act over hundreds and hundreds of years tells me like, okay, there's something here. There's something that people were seeing back then that people are still seeing today. And I know people weren't reading these reports. They weren't out there until I published my book. I had to dig through these old newspaper, you just going back 200 yeah. years. To find them, these modern witnesses weren't reading these old reports. They didn't know about them. And yet they're telling the same stories. They're climbing on my roof. They're knocking on my window. They're doing Climb this. They're doing that. Same thing over hundreds and hundreds of years. Absolutely fascinating. But, you know, I've collected stories of Bigfoot attacks, of, you know, uh, people following tracks and, and sometimes finding creatures, sometimes not. Creatures living in mines and caves. You know, all, all this stuff is, is in these old historical reports. They're just, they're, they're wonderful. Yeah, like um, Pennsylvania seems to be one of the hotspots for Bigfoot and paranormal activity. So, what makes it diff? What makes this area so unique? Like in terms of supernatural stuff that's happening, it seems like there's a lot of supernatural stuff. Yeah, we. When I started the podcast, I would say, you know, people say, "What is it about Pennsylvania?" I say, "Oh, no, it's everywhere. It's just you know, I'm I'm digging this stuff out." The more I'm into it, I'm like, eh, no, maybe there is something about Pennsylvania. Um, could be the the geographical makeup mm -hmm. of the area could be you know i look at things like magnetic anomaly maps and there's a, a lot of these places where i'm investigating have magnetic anomalies there mm -hmm. uh that toad road that that area it, it runs along a creek and you can just there's a magnetic anomaly that runs right the the length of the road so a lot of these other places i go magnetic anomalies very very strange that these pop up with this stuff uh could be that could be the number of creeks there seems to be yeah and i haven't figured this out when i talk to bigfoot when it says one of the questions i ask is where's the nearest creek i've never had someone say there's no creek nearby it seems that to be where water is a lot yeah. in all the reports i've wondered if that's because i'm in pennsylvania because we have a ton of creeks but i i don't know you know i don't, I don't know, know. But there's, i've never well, they had said the chestnut ridge is real popular too oh yeah yeah yeah, Stan's yeah. out there on the. You said you're having yeah, Stan Gordon. Stan Gordon's on tomorrow. Yeah, he's gonna. Okay. I think yesterday was the um, anniversary of Kecksburg, so he's mm -hmm. gonna talk about and see if there's any, um, you know, anything new going on. I know there's Stan a lot of is, is a great person, and and I'm I'm happy to uh, follow in his footsteps. No pun intended. Uh, I I love Stan, and we'll talk a couple times a year usually, and he'll update me on any uh, stuff he has from my area, but yeah. his. His research um, paved the way for mine, you know. Definitely. He, he isn't afraid to report if there's a UFO next to a Bigfoot. He'll tell it like it is. There was a UFO. He'll tell, somebody it, saw exactly. UFO he'll he, tell it like it is. I mean, here's a yeah. lot of people that don't believe in the, the Kecksburg thing, too. Hi, Anthony. Mm -hmm. How are you? Great to yeah. see you here. Yeah, uh, it's I, like I there's a lot, of, a lot of <clears throat> stuff's going on. But because um, we're going to have to wrap it up soon. But I just want to ask you, who, what will you tell a skeptic? What would you tell them that's most compelling piece of evidence or any kind of information that you've done or research you've done to kind um, of show him? 
or her. <laughs> I would. I had a, a friend who was very skeptical. There's an area we go to where we see weird lights, and pretty consistently. And he was very skeptical of it. He's a he's a naturalist and a, a guy spends a lot of time out outdoors, and he teaches foraging and so forth. And he said, "Take me to this place, and I'll tell you what you're seeing." Okay, all right. You know, if you can tell me what they are, I'm I'm happy for it. Let's, let's yeah. solve the mystery. So we hiked in during the day to the area where we see the lights, and we stayed there till it got dark. And by the end of the night, he was on his knees laughing, <laughs> trying to catch one of these lights that had come that close, trying to yeah. grab one. And a lot of people don't believe in those. But and he yeah. said, "He said I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are." But he was he was very happy to be proven wrong. You know, he was excited. So just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, doesn't exist. yeah. People's experiences are different, and. You know, I, I often use the example of like, you could tell me there's a blue jay on the, on you know, you're walking up a trail and I'm at the, the head of the trail. I said, oh, there's a beautiful blue jay down there. By the time I get there, that blue jay may or may not be there. Doesn't mean you didn't see it. Yeah, doesn't mean. So finally, before I let you go, um, what advice would you give someone exploring the paranormal? Like, would you, that they want to be in a research, what kind of advice would you give them? Be careful. Be um, respectful. And take many, many breaks, by which I mean this topic can make you obsessive. And when you get obsessive about it, it can ruin lives. There's many, many examples out there. Look at all the ghost hunting groups with the infighting and the they can't stay together. They break up. Look at all the drama in yeah. the paranormal world. Uh, a lot of drama. Take, take I've frequent been doing breaks. this for four years. It's a lot of drama. Yeah. Take frequent breaks. Get away from it. Have other interests, too. And, uh, you know, just like I said, be kind and, and be careful. Yeah. So who can uh, give us a little bit like where they can find you, your podcast? Sure. Strangefamiliars.com. That's my podcast. It's, all, it's also whatever podcatcher you use. You should be able to find it on there. We're on YouTube as well. But strangefamiliars.com has links for me. It's got you like my artwork and my music and, you know, you get links to my Etsy shop links to my books to purchase on Amazon, all that, all that stuff. And all the contact information there goes to me. Yes. Ghosts are people too. Should be respectful to, to the ghosts. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, thanks for having me. Come back again. Sure. Anytime. Okay. Well, that was fun. I really enjoyed talking with him. He was, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. I'd love to have him back. Um, just want to shoot some more things out what's going on. Um, tomorrow, well, Tuesday, Stan Gordon. I'm going to talk about him. He's my main man. He's so fun. Um, and I'm getting back to Alex Jones. It's so great to see him back on X, formerly Twitter. I listen to Alex Jones. He's, he's, he's where I get my news from. And so you should check it out too. Infowars, and he might be doing his lives on Twitter. Oh, excuse me, X. Um, he gives us tomorrow's news today. Um, he's having a lot of fundraisers out there, so make sure you get on Infowars store and get some good stuff. Um, T-shirts, all those books. I do like him. I want to keep him on the air. Um, there's a lot of stuff going out there. We need to stay up on that. Um, if you like, uh, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, drop me a d direct message. You can catch me on Chasing Prophecy Radio on Facebook. You can see me on YouTube, UFO Paranormal. Uh, we're on all kind of places. You can find me. Um, we're, we have our downloads are on Spotify, SoundCloud. Thank you, Sebastian. Thank you for joining us. It was a fun show. Yeah, I, yeah, I try to make it fun, but. All right, everyone, um, that's going to be a wrap for Tracing Prophecy Radio. Big thanks to our New Orleans listeners on FM 107.7, our friends in Henderson Point, Mississippi on 105.3, and all of you for joining us from everywhere else in the, in the globe. It's been fantastic having you with us tonight. And a huge shout out again to Timothy Renner for diving into those wild stories tonight. It's always a blast exploring the spooky unexplained, right? Hey, don't forget, we've got Stan Gordon coming up Tuesday. And if you're into UFOs, Bigfoot stories, you won't want to miss what he's got to say. 
especially the anniversary was yesterday. The guy's a legend in the field. And keep in touch on social media. Will you share the link, please? Share the link. It helps us, and it really helps us seriously grow. Your support means the world to me. So that's it for tonight. Keep your mind open. Stay curious. And hey, who knows? We'll stumble on upon next. You never know. And I will make sure I'm not wearing purple panties. Take care, everyone, and catch us on Tuesday with Stan Gordon. It's going to be fun. And then I always have a problem getting out of here because I don't want to get um, a comment from Kelly, Sean Kelly. <laughs> yes. Bohemian Grove was unbelievable in the nineties. And definitely I'm serious folks. Check them out because you know what? Seriously, we're in some really crazy times. And if you want to get the real news, you go to Infowars and not to CNN. That's for sure. Good night, everyone. And thanks again for joining me.